0: I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Quick question. Queen Elizabeth, how tall? Is she pocket-sized in person? Yeah,
2: she's a short lady. Like, probably no taller than (laughs) Kaden.
1: If you could have seen the face that Kaden just made to that comment, I'm not. I'm
0: obviously going to be taller than than an 80 year old. What is she's like a 112 year old woman? No, Jesus. Oh
1: my god. Hi, I'm Trevor Campbell, and this, I was singing my own theme, and this is You Made Me Queer, the show where queer people declare themselves both Lady and the Tramp and suck down that whole strand of spaghetti for themselves. That's right. Every week, I invite on a guest to point the finger of blame at who and or what made them queer. But for the first time in You Made Me Queer, story. history, their story, I am inviting on two guests. To point both of their fingers at blame, there's going to be a lot of fingers in a lot of directions. And some of these fingers are married to each other. What? They, was there no clearer way to say that? I'll get to that in a minute. First things first, happy Pride Month, happy Indigenous History Month. We have a very big episode today, but before I get to that, I do want to address something. Last week, I announced that I would be starting a brand new YouTube show called This Week Made Me Queer, coming out on Sunday. It did not come out on Sunday. You might be wondering why, or you might have already completely forgotten about it. Both of those things are fine. The fact is I did make it. I did finish the first episode and it nearly broke me. And that's because uh, something you might not know about me is that I start with a simple, attainable idea And then I sort of shove coal into its metaphorical oven until the train is going so fast that there is no way that someone's not going to die. So what happened basically is this cute little baby of an idea became something with green screens and animatronic robot sidekicks. Basically another full-time job. And I'm a podcast papa, first and foremost. I I also have another full-time job that I do as well. Uh, so I like to limit myself to two full-time jobs. So all this is to say... I'm going to retool this This Week Made Me Queer idea, which I love, into something a little more feasible. Because if you think I'm hard to listen to now, just wait till my mind completely cracks in half. So thank you for your patience. That will be coming up soon. I'm going to move on to my guests straight away today because we have a huge episode and I don't want to waste time with my ribble rabble, my patented ribble rabble. My guests today are Michael Lamenda and Caden Douglas. You may already know these folks from, oh god, they've done so many things, uh, huge touring productions like War Horse, Jersey Boys, feature films, you know, they've had careers that have spanned the entire world, now they are based in LA, uh, which is a much warmer climate than Toronto, so I am jealous and I hate them. People know Mike and Caden as Mike and Caden because they have been together, as you will hear in this interview, for 20 years which is pretty phenomenal. But of course, they are separate entities, separate human beings with separate bios. So let's learn a little more about them, shall we? First, Mike Lamenda is an actor, singer, producer, writer, and teacher, as well as co-founder of Little Bull Productions with his husband, Caden, who we will get to in a minute. Uh, little Bull Productions is an L.A.-based film production and graphic design company. They do incredible work. You will hear about this in our interview, too. Uh, Lamenda Began his journey as a classical pianist, then moved on to music theater, conquering many of North America's—he didn't write the word conquering, that's my own editorial—conquering many of North America's and the world's stages. He has starred on Broadway— He has twice been an honored guest of the Obamas to perform at the White House, but who hasn't, really? I just don't brag about it. And he starred as one of Clint Eastwood's four seasons in the Warner Brothers feature film, Jersey Boys. I mean, that's the real deal, folks. So let's move on to Caden. Caden is a writer, director, and producer based in LA because he's married to Mike and they live together. It's their choice. They are both from Alberta, however. Caden's short films, Platypus and Pop, have won multiple awards, including the Leslie Page Award for Excellence in Short Filmmaking and the Gold Award for LA Shorts. Not short pants, but short films. As a writer, he has several projects currently optioned by companies in LA. And as an actor, he's appeared in numerous television shows and films, as well as the Stratford Festival, Charlatan Festival, which you will hear some juicy deets about in this episode. And as I've already said, the National Theaters, Tony and Olivier Award-winning play, Warhorse. Together through Little Bull Productions, Mike and Kaden have produced several short films, including Danny and May, Kill Cat, Oakland, as well as content for the Los Angeles LBGTQ Center's 50th Anniversary Gala. In this episode, they make me laugh quite a lot, and I hope they make you laugh too. It's a really special conversation, and because I stiffed you a little bit last week, we had a very short episode. It was an unepisode, is what I'd call it. This one is a biggie, because I had two people come on, And that's uh, strangely more than twice the anger and retribution. It exponentially spiraled out until no one was safe. So bloody blah, 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 without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with the truly spectacular, wonderful Los Angeles-based Mike Lamenda and Caden Douglas. Oh my god, this is so exciting. It's always just me and one other person, you know, like a good court case, and the stakes are high. But now we have a good little triangle going on. Yeah, it's good. It's good to see your face. It's been a while. Both of you guys, too. I'm jealous of your tans. Oh, um, do we have tans? That could just be the face tuner on on the Zoom
0: camera. <laughs> no, that's the beauty of Southern California. It's just like, you just have a glow all the time. That's
1: right. Just an acai smoothie uh, glow from within. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas it? It snowed two days ago in Toronto yes Yes. we're paying for our sins somehow
2: I mean I remember uh, it's snowing in June so I mean like it's definitely
1: uh, it's touch and go it's true trash is what it is (laughs) (laughs) but yes you're both well you're coming live from your beautiful home but separate sections yes we're
2: in separate rooms um, which is how we prefer
1: that's right Um, that's how you spend most of your married life is it not
2: (laughs) 20 years together and uh, we've never been in the same room at the same
1: time <laughs> <laughs> have you been together for 20 years yeah it'll be 20 this, years yeah, in summer, august. Summer. yeah how's that august 23rd, <laughs> 23rd. oh my god yeah it's one of those
2: things that, like, um, you know, because you're in the arts, I think you don't spend twenty four seven with each other, <laughs> and I think that's beneficial sometimes because, for lots of reasons, besides, you know, it, it keeps it kind of like you keep yourself on your toes. But then you have to also get on a f- you know phone or, or whatever and kind of actually talk to the person. So that's uh,
1: you know, it's helpful. I think. Kaden, any thoughts?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of the reason why we've been able to be together for twenty years because I feel like every time where we've needed to have a bit. Of of personal growth, individual growth, the universe has kind of been like, here, one of you like go do this project over here for a few months or here, you know what I mean? And so we've had the opportunity to obviously be completely co- dependent upon each other, but then also have the space to like grow as individuals when we needed it.
1: You know, you do many things now, but of the performing arts, uh, which necessitated you being in completely different countries for long stretches sometimes.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I did a tour for two years, almost. And then I was also <laughs> Also on a cruise ship for like a almost a full year.
1: What? Which line? Were you Disney?
2: I did a sh- uh, so I the, the ship wasn't built yet and but it was called the Queen Mary 2. It yes. was like a big big ship at the time and so I spent a long time because they were building the ship while we were training to go on board as the inaugural crew so it was oh it was God. a long time like nine and a half months
1: what was that a Jersey Boys thing
2: that was uh pre-Jersey Boys wow. uh, that was like I literally auditioned for just some random company that came up to Toronto and uh they placed me on board the ship as like a uh, incidental singer so we it was me and like three <laughs> other guys who did acapella harmonies and we'd, like, burst into song and surprised people. Like a flash mob? It was very similar, yeah. So we just, like, appear outside of the, I don't know, the, the, <laughs> in the lobby. And we would just, like, burst into song because we were dressed as passengers. That was the that was the hook, I guess. So Which, like, that lasts when you're on a cruise ship for literally one time before everybody kind of knows, oh, that's, like, not a fun joke anymore because it's those guys again.
1: Yeah, and they see you walk into the room and they're just like, what's it going to be this time? Right,
2: right. Um, hello, my baby. Hello, my dolly. So, um... Yeah, so that that was a long time to be. I think we saw each other for maybe maybe like a week and a day in those. Um, <coughs> excuse me, in those like nine months that I was gone.
0: Yeah, it was dead. crazy. It was one day I flew down to New York to see you, and we're on I was on the ship for like a night. But you also you I didn't you just told me this the other day that I'd never known before. But you met the Queen on that boat, right?
2: She did walk right by me, and I shook. I can't remember whose hand I shook. Who she was with? Prince was Philip. Philip,
0: I guess. Oh, oh, okay. probably. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And uh, they were kind of because they christened the ship because of course it's the Queen Mary of and it's the line and so they christened the ship and then they walked through and met everybody and they walked by us and it was intense I mean, you've been on a ship trevor so like you kind of know it's it's an intense experience just like living and working on a ship but also the people surrounding like ship life and shippies it's intense it's like a lifestyle
1: it's a super weird world like the passengers that attracts and then the crew who are a completely separate entity from the people who are inhabiting the ship also quick question and then quick story quick question Queen Elizabeth, how tall is she? Pocket sized in person?
2: Yeah, she's a short lady, like probably no taller than Caden.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you could have seen okay. the face that Caden just made to that
0: comment, I'm not no, 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 the no. average height of a woman, but <laughs> I'm obviously going to be taller than an 80 year old. What is she's like a 112 year old woman? No, I'm, Jesus!
2: Oh
1: my God, she's a short lady for sure. But um, but, um, but yeah, it was fun. It was weird and totally random. Um. <laughs> I'm going to try and not just keep coming back to that comment for the next hour. It's really quite something. I will have you know, I'm uncomfortable around flash mobs in general, but one time participated in this, um, an industrial for TD Bank. It was like a pride gala. And the conceit was that we were all dressed like waiters and milling about this conference area. And then at one point, Lady Gaga's Born This Way would come on and we would all start doing a jazz routine. (laughs) Yeah, which is as terrifying as it sounds. But the best part was... While we were just milling as, like, you know, pedestrian partygoers, people kept trying to order drinks from. <laughs> <laughs> So we'd be like, uh-huh, Shirley Temple for you, Diet Coke for you, gin and tonic for you, got it all, I'll be right back. And then, of course, totally fucked off and just started doing, like, chasse. Right, <laughs> So they were like, is my Shirley Temple coming? Or... Can't be sure. <laughs> no, Who knows? They might still be waiting.
0: Caden, were
1: you ever on a ship or a, a, a large vehicle that you lived on? Maybe a horse and wagon? Or...
0: Uh, no, I was never on a ship, but I did do a tour, which I feel like is kind of like a landlocked ship. We did a different city basically every week, so it wasn't. We didn't really get to sit down too much and experience a ton of places. Like we hit, we would hit all of the, the to-do list of each city and then kind of move on. So, and then it was also part of the thing, like we you just saw the same people all the time. Every time you were like, I'm going to take a day to myself and I'm going to go do this thing alone because I need a break. The whole cast would be there all doing the exact same thing. And then you just end up hanging out, but it was great. Yeah,
1: even when you're traveling, because I think people have this image when your job is something that necessitates travel, that you're really constantly in a new, fresh environment, but it's like a lot of the same lunch buffet, And a lot of the same conversations.
0: Well, and also too, like there's sometimes you're in, you know, like Omaha, or there were some places in. Oh man, there were some rough places. But in those places, you're just like at the hotel lobby bar because like everything closes at you know 7 p.m. and so you just the whole cast just kind of comes back and either sits in their room or comes down to the hotel lobby bar. So I've seen many, many a hotel lobby bar and been wasted in it. But then at a hotel lobby bar, (laughs) I'm the person that's always like the I attract. Michael attest to this. I attract the crazy. Like I'll sit down somewhere and the people. flock to me to chat and I have I'm like please tell me more about your son Barb like I want to know all the details and then she'll go and give me a whole monologue about it and I get very invested so
1: yeah trap it in like as a writer I'm sure that's gold for you
0: yeah I just love I love people and I love people who talk because I you know what I mean like who just talk at you but the problem is crazy people love people who listen to people who talk they do I feel like on tour I got some really intense stories from people like deep personal crazy stories about like their kids (laughs) or their husbands or their affairs just from sitting in hotel lobby bars and listening and being like no keep keep talking about it keep going. Yeah and
1: they don't need a reply from you in any capacity. Nope. They're like this is for me. You stay quiet young man. 100%. The whole time they're like I met Queen Elizabeth at the Hyatt Bar. <laughs> well this is uh, I mean we've already gotten a taste of this personally I'm uncomfortable but, but one of the unique sort of uh, dynamics we're going to have today is that we have two people with a lot of anger with a lot of unprocessed trauma and fortunately we have a place to put it so maybe we'll move on to the reason we're here today we know now through the wonders of science and chemistry and all the things people learned about after I dropped out of science after grade ten why <laughs> people are queer. And it turns out so many things can make you queer. But when we were younger, we didn't know what these things were, so we were doing all sorts of silly things. Like, for example, when you eat Jello after a, that weird film develops yes. on the top, yeah, that can make you queer. We didn't know that as children.
0: Also, like Jello Jigglers, right? That's for sure.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Jello Jiggler is my dream. Right name. <laughs> I like that for you. Thank you. Yeah, I think it suits. Yeah, so jello jigglers, jello with iceberg lettuce or fruit. Mm-hmm. Anywhere near it. Yeah.
0: Well, mm-hmm. yeah. no. Yeah. No, no, thank you, ma'am.
1: You know Queen Elizabeth gets real rare and to go for iceberg lettuce and a jello casserole. Oh. Oh. For <laughs> breakfast.
2: You know, just first thing in the morning. <laughs> That's right. Just really kick off your day.
1: A nice British breakfast. Uh. So, yeah, so the point being, it's not our fault that we've turned out this way. and because of that because we are in the clear now we can sort of turn the mirror back so to speak and unleash our anger at the things that are responsible for this so i want to give you a rare opportunity but before i cue you in because we have two people here today we need to establish some ground rules okay so this is essentially not legally recognized in the province of ontario where i'm recording (laughs) but in my mind kind of a court of law so basically, because you two can corroborate or refute each other's stories quite a lot, mm-hmm. I'm going to say that if one of you hears something the other saying that you have a problem with or you don't think is true, you can object. Oh, great, great! You can object. However, this is my game. This is my home. I and I alone am the one who is able to decide if something is sustained or overruled. Oh, I love that. Got you. That sounds great.
0: We've both been thinking about this a lot this week, I think, but we haven't told each other anything because I think this is, we're going to like hit some new territory today because we haven't talked about this actually all that we don't. We haven't talked about our burgeoning queer selves very much, or if we did, I, it's been a long. It's been a long time. So this will be. I have a, some predictions about Mike's. I think there's a couple oh. things I might that I think he's going to say, but honestly, I I don't know. We'll see.
1: Okay, I really like this. So maybe when we get to the end, we will see. Is there anything that either Mike or Caden didn't say that you thought they were going to say, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. vice versa? Mm-hmm. This is real juicy. <laughs> okay, so so those are the rules. So now I'm just gonna unleash you. So Mike Lamenda, Caden Douglas, both of you at the same time, nonstop. Who or what made you queer? God, do you want to go first? I'm so nervous. I'll go. Well, I'll, okay, I'll
0: go first because I have kind of maybe one that's not like super. Like, oh my God, I've never heard of that before. So I'll kick things off. But I'm gonna I'm gonna start big. This my first one is starting kind of big and then going from the macro to the micro. So first off, I'm gonna blame large scale musical. Th- theater of the late 80s and early 90s just in general but I'm gonna preface that with there is a particular scene change in the musical Les Mis that I'm gonna blame for my queerness because (laughs) I saw Les Mis when I was like seven years old and I was okay first I'm gonna go back one second and say when I was like Four, like three or four, my parents somehow on PBS put on Sweeney Todd.
1: Oh, that's not suitable for children.
0: Not at all. And my parents were very strict about what we watched. Like, we didn't get to watch The Simpsons. We didn't get to watch anything this. my parents were really. But for some reason, maybe because it was on PBS.
1: (laughs) That's right. PBS is for smart people.
0: Yeah. They put it on, and I think they all fell asleep. And I, as a three-year-old or four-year-old, watched the entire production of Sweeney Todd (laughs) riveted from beginning to end. So, I think my parents kind of knew that I was like into that. So, then they took me to cats. You were already broken. Yeah, they, uh, they were like, oh, this is not going well. So, they took me to cats, and then that was like, made, that, that was maybe a thing. But then, when I saw Lame is, I don't know, for those of you who don't know Lame is, but you know, when he sings, um, who am I, 24601, oh, and it goes, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. and then all of a sudden, like the big French flag gets unveiled, and the turntable turns, and he, oh, he's alone on stage, and all of a sudden, like the, the blink of an eye, he's in this French courtroom, and the whole ensemble's on stage. And I swear to God, when I was seven years I saw that show I'm sure I clutched my own pearls and was like (gasps) the theater the world is full of magic and this is where I want to be and this is what I want to be a part of so that particular scene changed from him being alone on stage to him being in the French courtroom whoa
1: so it was like the sort of the technical theater magic of that moment that made you just it showed, like, a, a world you never imagined for yourself.
0: Yeah, it was so... Totally, and I was always trying to break out, break down how things were done. And that was something that I was just, like... Even at Seven, I was like, how did they do that? How do they do that? Yeah. And that I couldn't figure out how they did it. Like, how it all worked so perfectly. Because it was so magical. And also, too, he's, like, singing the shit out of it, right? Like, he's just, yeah. you know... It's a
1: very hyper-masculine moment. I think... He doesn't have, like, a bare chest and yeah, a prison and, garment. And then
0: he's... I don't know. There was just something so... There was something so magical about it. And I just was by it and totally taken by it.
1: So was that simultaneously, you know, whatever made you queer, but also was that when you knew you wanted to go into the performing arts?
0: I mean, that probably solidified it. I knew I had known that already. Like when I was a baby, my parents would go on road trips, and I would cry if they didn't put Rafi on, and I would sit in the car seat and dance. <laughs> so I, I mean, it's so it's so funny because I worked so hard in my later years to tamp down my um,
1: the shoulder shimmy you the just the
0: shoulder did. shimmy I just did. <laughs> I really, I really. But when I think when I first came out of the womb, I literally kind of came out like dancing and being like I love music and I love theater and I would put shows on in the backyard and dress up as things for Christmas and and then you know when I hit my teen years I was like no 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 bro no
1: yeah because you were a prairie boy were you both prairie boys
0: yeah we're both from Alberta yeah
2: Caden is a city kid I'm a I'm definitely from the sticks but when
1: you say city in Alberta are we talking like Calgary Edmonton or yeah
0: no we're talking Calgary but Calgary back when I was growing up was not it was like eight hundred thousand, like 700,000 it's it's a totally different city now than it was when I was a
1: kid it's pretty brunchy now. Did you say brunchy? (laughs) Yeah. Last time I was there, there were a lot of eggs benedicts being served. (laughs) Also, as a child, you said, I think you said seven years old watching Les Mis? Yeah. So the only appropriate objects of your desire in that show would have been young janitorial cosette or Gavroche, the little, like, military soldier boy. Yeah. Did you have a little Gavroche crush?
0: Well, well, funny enough, I auditioned for Gavroche later. When
1: you were 25. (laughs) Yeah, when I was, just yesterday I
0: auditioned because I'm the size of a Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> um, no, but I didn't I got super, super close I got right down to the very end For the Canadian tour And then I didn't get it Which was for the best
1: There's some complicated feelings there
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess I don't know
1: <laughs> But that's a good one Because I mean I for sure have those for me And they were weird musicals too Like it's not like I went to see like Hello Dolly And I'm like The sequins or whatever It would be like Tommy yeah. Which is like pretty heavy On like child molestation And sort of like Heavy psychological trauma But that one for me I was like
0: Ooh, I want to be up there but when those dudes come out and they're like, "Ever since I was a young boy," and those suits and everything, um, that that's sexy. That's like, yeah,
1: that like Brit punk kind of. Yeah. Is great. Also, pinballs, the gayest pastime. Lights, <laughs> bells, and whistles. I mean, really? yeah. a whole game built around bells and whistles and balls. Yeah, yeah. Who yeah. could ask for anything more, really? And there's my Christmas list for <laughs> 2021. That's a juicy one. Might you have anything to add to Caden's reveal before we switch over to you?
2: Well, I am not surprised by that because Caden is has always been obsessed with musical theater. I did not grow up obsessed with musical theater. Hmm. I kind of knew a couple things, but he knows musical theater inside out like nobody I know, so that is not surprising to
1: me. Oh, I didn't know that about Katie.
2: Yeah, I do not object.
1: Okay, okay, that's good. Thank you for observing the rules.
2: But I And I also am not surprised that he's, like, obsessed with the inner workings of it, because that's how your mind works. He's like, he likes to sketch costumes and sets and all that kind of stuff, so that's not surprising.
0: I mean, I used to. I don't do that so much anymore like you say that like, yeah. say that, so like i've done Comes naturally to you oh, i see what you're saying yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. okay great so uh so that's a pass as far as your husband is concerned i approve of that message okay <laughs> sounds good that's that's not a power you have in this courtroom right that's true i'm sorry i've overstepped <laughs> that's fine that's fine you get one warning so let's go over to mike mike where do you want to start us off what made you queer at the beginning well, I think I'm going to say generally
2: speaking, 66 CFR. So the oldie station.
1: Ooh. Okay. Was this local?
2: This is a local oldie station. I grew up. So as I said, I grew up kind of in the sticks and like the sticks of the sticks. I grew up in a tiny kind of like hamlet outside of Stettler. So talk like probably population like 50 in the off season. Shoot. My dad built like a, basically a, a house for us on a lake. It was kind of like one of those like lake communities. And like, It's cold in Alberta. um, And so really, it's only like two to three months out of the year that like the population explodes. But bottom line was, was that's where we kind of like lived and there was nobody really around. But my mom would drive me into daycare because she worked and we would listen to 66 CFR. And then, you know, paired with that was my dad had this incredible LP collection of like oldies. And so there's like two songs and then there's three albums that made me gay. So I will just say, and this is a bit of CanCon, so it's a bit obscure. But the song, okay. it's like, just the title itself will tell you why I'm gay. Hot Child in the City. <laughs> and I mean, it's a it's a Canadian anthem, basically. And it's like Hot Child in the City, running wild and looking pretty. And it's like this grungy kind of like, and I just remember singing that along with Islands in the Stream. Oh, boy. On uh, the way to daycare, you know, like in a... Oh,
1: as the what? Like four or five? Uh, I would say probably four or five. Yeah, that was about right. And this was in the car, which I'm, of course, imagining is a rusty Chevrolet truck. Yeah, it was a, probably a yellow Datsun. Um, you
2: know, my mom was definitely smoking in the car with the window down. It was yes, like, you know. Those
1: long Benson and Hedges. Yeah, menthols uh, <laughs> definitely on the way oh, to daycare. Yeah. Says. Now, full honesty here. Island's in the Stream. Would you take Kenny Rogers or Dolly Parton? And did your mom sing the duet?
2: My mom did not sing the duet. Um, I think if you actually like try and sing harmonies to that song, it's really difficult. Oh, yeah. So I probably just tried to sing the melody. It's safe, but it's fine. I probably identified with whatever Dolly was singing, which I think is the harmony. So Hot Child in the City, Islands in the Stream, definitely um, those were Come like, on. and my mom to this day will kind of like clock those as songs that I loved. And then my dad gave me, my dad sort of like let me kind of like peruse his LP collection for a while because he was really into music and had these great records. And, and a lot of it was like CCR and Huey Lewis and the News and stuff, but I definitely gravitated towards Thriller, Michael Jackson um, I think, you know, and And then specifically, Olivia Newton, John's Let's Get Physical. I mean, like, really, like, just listen to the lyrics. Let's get physical. I mean, listen to the headbands, listen to the tight perm. It it was really, it was kind of like I was a goner. (laughs) And then the other one, the main one that I really kind of, like, remember distinctly was the cover of Dreamweaver by Gary Wright, which is, if you ever, if you Google that image and just, like, look at that, he's basically, like, sleeping on the cover, and he's got full like lavender eye makeup. And he's got like a kind of like a neck scarf and it's very, he's got like kind of <laughs> poofy hair. It's all pastels. Yeah.
0: Wait, I'm doing yeah, it right yeah, now.
1: Yeah. In a word like lilac is yeah. what I'd say. Uh,
0: oh, look at that. Oh yeah. He's got like, he's got eyeshadow on. Yeah.
1: He's like the ghost of the jukebox. Oh
0: my God. I love that.
1: I would say in general, it was pretty hard to make it through the eighties without becoming gay. I think so. I think absolutely. For all people.
2: Yeah. Because the mu- I think the music and all of that kind of stuff, um, definitely, I don't know, It mm-hmm. just kind of, you know. know, David Bowie, all that kind of stuff was just sort of bending in a really bold and kind of anarchistic way, which I thought was, you know, I'm sure responsible for turning a lot of kids gay.
1: I think so, too. And I want to, I mean, not to belabor Gary Wright, but also Gary Wright has this kind of like B. Arthur (laughs) knotted linen scarf situation. 100%. Did you, were you aware of this album cover as a child? And did you try and dress up like Gary Wright? I definitely, I probably have like a bit of a scarf
2: thing that I, you know, like (laughs) I would definitely, you know, grab a scarf. I remember working on the cruise ship and thinking, hey, I want to buy a scarf for my mom. Or is it for myself?
1: I don't know. <laughs> or is it my aviator fetish? And where did that come from? Yeah, I don't know. I like I like the flowiness of a scarf. What can I say? I mean, this is a safe space. Let it out. Yeah. There's something very
2: expressive about a light piece of fabric in the wind.
1: A summer scarf, which serves no functional duty, but is strictly for aesthetic.
2: Yeah, I mean, get a wind machine on that, and you are ready for the cover of Vogue 1983. For the cover
1: of the reissued Gary Wright Dreamweaver. Right. That's... Juicy, Yeah. Oh, my God. Isn't that funny? Because one of my big memories, too, is, and it's crazy that we remember these things from that age, but my mom driving me to preschool, like not even kindergarten, in Oakville, Ontario, shittiest suburb in Canada, (laughs) and going there in our little car and her playing Amy Grant's, I think it was her first album, which had Heart in Motion on it. Oh, yeah. And something in me, just like the way that like, you know, the little synthesized beats hit my little four-year-old heart. Yeah. I was like, this is my music yeah
2: there's like a there's also like a cry in certain people's voice like when they're singing emotionally that i think just like a little bit of like a uh, like that just kind of like pings a little bit louder a little bit clearer in a gay person's yeah. ears and a queer person's ears i think
1: <laughs> dog whistles
2: to you yeah it's like, like is that
1: those are my people those are my people the signal yeah get your scarves boys. yes <laughs> <laughs> Caden, surprised? Not surprised?
0: No, not surprised. I feel like I've heard a little bit about this previously. Although I will say the islands in the stream is a surprise. But yeah, no, no, I'm not surprised. That makes sense. Being on the prairies, hearing, seeing that image of, what's his name, Gary Wright? Come on, man. That's That would have done it for sure. Oh, yeah. Because there
1: was probably like nothing around like that. Right, Mike? No. I mean, so I
2: was born in 79. I'm a Xennial, oh. which is not a, a Gen Xer and not a millennial. Oh, my God but it's sort of right in the middle. So I don't know. There, it was really before there were any queer folks on television. There was very little, if any representation. I remember growing up and the only queer person that I saw on TV was Ellen and she got fired from her thing for coming out. Yeah, And you know, being in a small town of 5,000 people in conservative Alberta, I'm sure statistically there were queer folks, but you know, I knew of like maybe a couple people who were rumored to be gay. And that was purely based on their appearance. Like, I couldn't claim now, you know. If I need television.
0: to I need to object. I need to object about that. Kaden's
1: objecting. Okay, let me hear it.
0: Because you've told me about in Stettler that there was like... I'm about to say it. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry, go ahead.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. So we're going to hold... <laughs> I, you can see I've run out of legal terms. We're going to hold that objection. Mike, <laughs> please continue. <laughs> I was
2: about to say that my mom cut hair for a living. So she uh, had a shop. Oh. And so... You know, she, my dad built her a shop on the side of her house and she built a business out of there. So I was in and out of that shop on the, on the reg and you know, she was going to hair shows and all that kind of stuff. And I remember her saying that she was cutting hair with a, a gentleman named Richard. I don't know Richard's last name. I don't even know if I actually officially met Richard. But I believe that Richard, maybe this is fabrication in my brain, in my little baby gay brain, but I believe Richard had pink cowboy boots oh. and then had like kind of curly Gary Wright hair. Whoa, okay. Which was like, truthfully, in the early 80s in, you know, conservative small town Alberta was bold you know
1: oh god 100 percent. and that seems like the kind of field you know wh- like you were saying when there's no representation when especially in rural communities where you really have to be careful about what you do could be an outlet for sweet queer richard to go into styling some perms
2: yeah i mean like i just think how bold that was it's so crazy i was thinking about it the other day and how much i would love to meet richard now and just be like hey yeah. like we never really met But you were on my radar and like I that was very important for me. You were very important in my queer upbringing because even if I didn't necessarily identify with, say, pink cowboy boots or, you know, Gary Wright hair, I just, I just knew that other was on the horizon and that was a possibility, you know? Yeah. Which is huge for young baby gays and baby queers.
1: Huge, especially where you were. Mm-hmm. So Richard from Stetler, if you're listening, <laughs> please <laughs> call us now. Call it. We'll put you live on the air. We'll patch you through. <laughs> but that's really interesting also. Can you imagine going to, at like, uh, what would it be? days in conference room like a 1982 hair conference in what was Alberta it was
2: Alberta and I mean I'm sure she probably it was like probably in like Sherwood Park Edmonton like on the outskirts a little bit of of one of the major urban centers but my mom would go to these and she would party and like I bet that that was actually really great for her because you know Future, spoiler alert, she had two gay sons.
1: Oh, is your sibling gay as well? Yeah,
2: my brother Ryan is six years younger and um, gay as well. And so, and came out in a very different way and I think has a very different kind of like experience. He came out when he was like... 12 or 13, I think, to my mom in my hometown.
1: And they were primed because of you? No. Oh.
2: On the night that I was going to tell my mom that I was gay, she told me that my younger brother was gay. And then... And?
1: (laughs) Wait, and? So he had already told her, but you didn't know from him.
2: No, we were on the East Coast in Charlottetown PEI, and I was doing a show, and I had just met Caden. So I was feeling good and I was like, we weren't a thing yet. We weren't dating, but I, Caden was on my radar okay. and I was like, he's really cute. Um, he's not gay yet, but
1: he's really cute. But as we know, it just takes like, which is brew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you were hard at work gathering the ingredients from the field. Yes. The beetroot <laughs> and the glitter. Okay, go on.
2: Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I, we went out to a bar and, um, she kind of usurped me with that news and I was like, oh shit. Abort mission, abort mission. And (laughs) then our friend um, Stuart walked in. And Stuart is known um, for taking pictures. And, like, he had a camera that he carried with him all, all the times. And he would, like, take hard copy pictures and write a little inscription on the back. So I have this fantastic picture of, like... Mom and I, basically, both of our worlds, like, crushing, like, collapsing. And then we're turning to the camera and pasting on, like, a smile for Stuart. So I have it commemorated, like, moments before. I'm like, oh, shit.
1: And then you came out to her right after? I
2: decided to abort mission for that night. Oh, totally. Okay.
1: Well, because what was her reaction to your brother? Was it sort of, you know, she was having a hard time? Well,
2: she was, I, I mean... Put it this way, my mom, he was young, he's 13 years old, and, you know, he was driving around um, to meet other queer folks in, you know, like the general vicinity, so bless my mom. Holy hell. Like just having a, you know, a 13, 14 year old son who's gay and she wants to be supportive, but you know, Ryan's got to drive to fucking big Valley to meet somebody or some other place in a car, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and she just has to trust that he's going to be safe and be supportive. And anyway, so she was stressed about that. And I think probably she was reaching out to me just you know, to be like, I think you're gay too, you know, right? and I need help. I can't do this by myself. But anyway, later on, like several days later, I ended up talking to her and her response was supportive. She was worried mainly that I wouldn't have grandkids.
1: And, yeah, fair.
2: Yeah. And I, I said to her, I remember saying, you know, truthfully, if I don't have grandkids, it's not because I'm queer, it's because I'm in the arts, you know, and it's like, you know, it might not be in the cards.
1: Yeah. And there's only room for one baby in this room and it's right. yours truly. <laughs> yeah. Also, Caden tried to object, I think, while you were telling the story. So, Caden.
0: No, no, I didn't try to object. I just tried to add to it that I was at the bar that night when that happened as well. W- with his mom? Yeah, like I wasn't I wasn't with them. We. I was with the other group of people, but we, we that night, we, we like, I came over and was drunk and was like, hey, your mom! Like, we, it was all in the same, it was all in a very small bar in Charlottetown.
1: Oh, my God.
2: Yeah, it was all full circle. And the funny thing was was that my mom had been researching uh, through Queer as Folk, because she, right. you know, and she told me later on, and I just thought, oh, my God, you must have just thought, like, like, Queer as Folk is entertainment, yeah. and, you know, we'll say, like, mildly educational, but for a poor mom who's got two gay sons, you you know, using that as like her earmark, God, she was mortified.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. That's funny. Cause I think about the way, like when I was growing up would watch things like that. I watched the British queers folk before I watched the American one, yeah. which, you know, there was a distance between it and me anyway, but really not seeing myself in a lot of those characters. But as a mom, you're like, who am I? Am I the one who works at the diner? <laughs> like, do I have to become a waitress now? Right. 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 Oh my God. That's so sweet. And where all
0: the yeah. pins, remember she had all the pins. It's like, I all got the to... pins. She had to buy all those pins. She's like, I got and up my pin, pin collection contest. now oh
1: god it, and she had her own style thing going okay so i i want to um <laughs> i want to summarize this so we don't lose track kaden has already blamed the theater mastery of the sort of early i would say i want to say and i'm i'm embarrassed about it when andrew Lloyd weber was king is that what we call that era
0: i think it's a little yeah it's like again everything comes to canada era alberta like a little bit late yeah. so it was like yeah. when i saw the shows they weren't like at their peak they were like it was just you know but yes, I guess... Yeah. Whenever it was a I transitional theater. period in yeah. music theater.
1: Yeah. We'll, we'll forgive it. And then on Mike's side, we have... What's the radio station, Mike?
0: It's 66 CFR,
2: but the golden oldie station in, in Stellar.
1: 66 CFR. And I, I would really love for you to do a DJ guest spot on there, so you should give them a shout. <laughs> if you want, I'll, I'll do some clips of this, make you a little audio reel and send it over. Great.
2: I, that would definitely play, I'm sure. <laughs> sure, <laughs> I'm sure it'd
1: be great. Um, I think it's touted as the family station, so...
2: Um.
1: <laughs> So you're blaming the family station, but also the the male hairdresser with the pink boots.
2: I think Richard, yeah, having Richard there is just like uh, on the horizon there as like a kind of like, you know, off in the distance saying, you know, don't be afraid. Like the childlike princess in in, um, Never Ending Story. Atreyu, Atreyu. With a little
1: teardrop uh, tiara thing? Yeah. Yeah, Did Richard have one of those? You
2: know, maybe I don't know if we ever. I don't. I didn't see him wearing it out. It was, it was evening wear. It was right? evening. He wear. would wear it separately. Okay. Yeah, maybe not while he was cutting hair. But um,
1: uh, <laughs> the only style he gave women was like, so I'm just going to curl the front and then just lower this little teardrop pearl <laughs> right in front of your forehead, yeah. and then just glue it in. Right. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Good to go. That'll be twenty dollars. Right. Right. Okay. Perfect. So we have uh, a round one where only a few of you disobeyed the rules. So I'm feeling pretty optimistic now <laughs> so let's go to what i think in court they call act two after people have gone out to get popcorn and other refreshments right. use the ladies room as people in court do and now we're back for round two um the woman in the bikini walks through with a title card above her head Great. Ding Great. ding ding! yeah this is all kind of blurring in my mind but i think this is right and then Caden steps up to the <laughs> pulpit what's happening the pulpit. And, and
0: goes next oh see now you said pulpit now i feel like i should blame the catholic church
1: i blame the catholic church for almost everything yeah
0: there's a lot to blame the Catholic Church for for sure, but but what I'm gonna say next is kind of building off what Mike said about you know Gay Richard
1: hashtag Gay Richard.
0: Hashtag Gay Richard. <laughs> And I'm going to preface this by saying not every story of mine is related to theater, but also I think theater made me queer just in general. Oh, oh, but yeah. when I was a kid at Theater Calgary, I played Tiny Tim for a number of years in Christmas Carol.
1: This was also when you were 25.
0: This is also <laughs> when I was 25.
1: I didn't start these height jokes. They all came from Mike. In my defense, <laughs> this, okay. This, go ahead. I'm not that short, but anyway, <laughs> You're truly not. I'm in so much shit. Um,
0: when I was when I was like eight, like, and I think I started when I was about eight, and so, and the person, and I'm gonna, I'm not gonna name names in this because I'll yeah. for those the reason for it. The person who played Charles Dickens, at the beginning of the show, I was like an urchin before I was Tiny Tim. And so beginners, you know, when they were like, you know, get ready to your places. The beginning of act one, it would be him playing Charles Dickens because he was on first. And then me and the other two kids were lined up behind me. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of like, I'm going to say flamboyant, but that's not right. I just feel like he was, you know, there was like kind of those guys in the 90s who like were kind of gay 90 guys. And there was something like that they were like breaking through the noise with. Anyway, like
1: Stephen Fry can divide. So, what? What? <laughs> I know that's a weird deep cut, like, uh, like, um, w- gay nineties. Can you elaborate?
0: I don't know. I just feel like there's like a lot of hair. Yeah, and there's a yep. lot of there's a lot of like joking. Like there was just kind of like an edge to the jokes about like like they would never say it it was never said out loud like i'm here and i'm queer but it was always just like a little nod or a little wink yeah, and yeah
1: a little bit of a sausage curl so sausage curl. like
0: he would walk into the green <laughs> yeah, room and he would be it. kind of like laid out on the couch in some kind of <laughs> fabulous way but i do manner. know what you
1: mean it was like it was like the slow release gauge where they were just kind of like campy quote-unquote straight men yeah
0: totally yeah i got in, it if, going back now i'm sure he was totally out and everybody knew and all that stuff but at, at eight years old i know i wasn't aware of that but he would before every show and keep in mind i'm eight years old. Like. Way Waiting in the wings like being the good Catholic boy that I am. Yeah. He would turn to me for every show and go, let's fuck this puppy. And then walk on stage and deliver his first line of a Christmas carol. And
1: this was sorry, this was a Christmas carol? <laughs> yeah.
0: He literally like he literally would turn, he would bend, he would bend down, he would bend down to me and look me dead in the eyes and say Let's fuck this puppy. And then walk on stage and be like, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Charles Dickens. And it was, honestly, it just titillated me so much. It sounds like it would. And I was just like, who is this magical person who's just like... And also, because I was raised Catholic, and because I, you know, it was like, we could not swear. It was not part of our... Oh, it was so
1: many taboos.
0: Yeah, it was so many taboos. And there was also kind of that, like understanding that I was like, oh, like there was a connection there that I wasn't able to. Anyways, and why I don't want to say his name is because I believe he went on to be I know this. A broadcaster on a large television station in Canada and is like had a big has had quite a big career in broadcasting. Is my understanding, ladies
1: and gentlemen, Lloyd Robertson. <laughs> here he is coming into our Zoom call. Welcome, Lloyd.
0: <laughs> anyway, so I don't want to get him into trouble, but yeah, um, yeah,
1: that's fair. We're not going to throw him under the bus. But whoa, do you think he was trying to? Was he trying to like titillate you? A
0: hundred percent, because I feel like later okay. on in that process, as it, like because we did it for a few years and everything, I remember there being like everybody sitting in the green room. And I remember there being like a coded conversation that the adults were having about me oh. and they were all kind of speculating about my sexuality, you know, like being like one day. And I remember being like, I don't totally get this, but I know what it's like. I, my little brain was like trying to put the pieces together and I knew it was about me and I knew it was about the other few like gay people in the cast or whatever. And I, but I couldn't quite figure it out at that time.
1: Wow. That's really, and how old were you? Sorry.
0: Like eight, I think. He also had for his costume was also this like like burgundy purple like beautiful Victorian coat, and so there was also something about like the cravat and the coat and the like swagger that just was very intoxicating. Did he
1: ever offer to give you a ride in his Datsun?
0: (laughs) No, no, he didn't. That's
1: not a metaphor. That's not a metaphor. (laughs) I'm just saying. Yeah, no, I know what you mean, because that was uh, especially like for little kids that were in theater, and I was one of those kids. There were, of course, like adults, queer adults, whether or not they were out or not, but like that was the only place we were exposed to them. And as well, the only place I think where you know, as, as cis males who were exposed to men who were not acting like the men we knew or the men we thought we could grow up to be. So it was like, they were already kind of supercharged in a weird way. And we were in costumes wearing makeup. So like, what the hell?
0: Yeah, well, and I also feel too, like I wonder what it's like now to be a kid in those spaces, and because I would imagine that now the adults maybe talk more openly about queerness and they're more kind of address it. But I all I always feel like. It's somehow the fact that he was gay or other people in the cast were gay or whatever always kind of came like around the corner and down the street and to my, to my ears. You know what I mean? Like it was never, nobody ever said it out loud. Mm-hmm. It was never kind of like spoken to me overtly, but it was like a, this weird bubbling secret that kind of, which also in some ways ended up making me feel a lot of shame because it wasn't like, yeah uh, you know, like, You're it like was,
1: why are we making this a secret? Yeah. Like
0: why? I, I, and if it had just been kind of like out and more, more forward, maybe it would have been, I don't know. You know what I mean? There was a, there was a secret language to it all. Yeah. That was, in one yeah. hand, very exciting and very... I, I wanted to know more, but then also I, I, I kind of on a deep cellular level understood that it was not talked about for a reason.
1: Yeah, like why when almost nothing else in your life is nudge, nudge, wink, wink? Like, why am I the nudge, nudge, wink, wink? Yeah. What's going on here? Yeah. And yeah, I know what you mean. And it's an interesting space too, like backstage growing up because it is one of those weird spots and Mike, maybe you can relate to this. I don't know when you started in theater, but like getting to kind of like press pause on your identity in that way at such an interesting formative time allows you, I think, to consider yourself in ways that I don't I feel like non-arts kids maybe don't get that luxury. Totally. Where you're like, I'm walking in this crazy way, but it's because I live in England in the 19th century or whatever.
0: Also, I should say, back then I feel like the first few years we didn't have a chaperone, so it was just the kids like running around doing whatever we wanted. And like yeah, the crew guys would throw us into the harnesses and like fly us around the theater, like whip us around the theater and like (laughs) Take us up to the rafters. And now I think back and I'm like, there is no way that they would do that anymore. Like there was no way that the kids in the show now would like get to have those experiences.
1: Yeah, 100%. It was truly lawless.
0: Yeah, totally. We were just eight shows a week running around the theater doing whatever we wanted as long as we showed up on time to where we were supposed to be.
1: And that was my problem. (laughs) I could never show up in time as a child. Uh, Mike, any objections to uh, these hard truths? Uh, No,
2: I'm not surprised about that. Again, I feel like I've known... Like, Caden was a child actor, and so he grew up and... You also came up through Young Canadians, and so like you were
1: kind of immersed in theater from a really young age, and and so that doesn't surprise what's, me. For people who don't know what's Young Canadians, because I picture like the majorettes.
0: Uh yeah, not far off. So the Calgary Stampede every year after the chuck wagon races had they pull this big the tractor, this big giant stage, uh, and the, the it's the Grandstand Show, and the people who do the Grandstand Show are the Young Canadians. It's changed. It's changed so much since I was there, and so you do a show every night at the Grandstand stage, It's kind cool. of like super happy and smiling, but then during the year you trained you got free training in like dancing and singing and all this other stuff to be able to do it oh amazing and we did it above the cows like the rehearsal the rehearsal studio was above the stables so the cows and the horses were below us and then we were upstairs
1: very very, there are a lot of there's some big carny energy i'm getting from this whole experience
0: (laughs) it's very alberta it's like to me that's alberta in a nutshell is like The smell of cows and horses and then, like, these other things kind of on top of it, you
1: know? Yeah, and so what people have to understand, if you're not familiar with this area, is that in Alberta, everything is either on a farm or adjacent to a farm. Yes. Or it just smells like hay but is not near a farm. It's like the Texas of Canada, I would say. Yes.
2: You know, like, in the sense that, like, cows oil fields farmland you know hockey that whole shebang it's or
1: montana it's very similar to montana it's where men are men and women are married to them yep. <laughs> <laughs> more or less okay good so now let's move on uh this is your act to mike okay so i'm gonna say
2: there was a set of cartoons I mean, I think a lot of people definitely kind of resonated with cartoons. Like, I'm a fan of the podcast, so I definitely see a theme.
1: Thank you. Yes, cartoons come up a lot. Yeah, no, I think, you know, and
2: I wasn't as big into Disney, but I will say there was a set of cartoons. There was uh, He-Man and She-Ra. Which was just like, I mean, there's so much to unpack there. And then also Thundercats.
1: Oh my god, yes. And very, very similar. In fact, I think they had crossover episodes. I
2: think so. And I'm going to just needle it down and get super specific about, firstly, like He-Man just, I went back and revisited like a picture of what He-Man looks like. And there's just, I don't know who was making that character, but that is a gay man. (laughs) He's wearing a, a daddy harness He's got like an Anna Wintour haircut. <laughs> 100%. He's, you know, like <laughs> it's got like furry, like Speedos and like, you know, ankle boots. I mean, come <laughs> oh my on. God. Yeah. And, but also
1: Thundercats wore the same thing.
2: Exactly. And like Lionel, I think was his name, like a full yeah, spandex. Lineup sort of thing and again with the hair like the long kind of flowy hair but i'm just gonna call out the fact that for some reason (laughs) i was also really um attracted to the Chitara, who was like his female love interest i think and then also the she-ra i was like really into that crossover episode where he-man and she-ra met and i really wanted them to make out I did not realize that they were brother and sister and I did not. Oh, I still didn't know that. That's a revelation. I think they're actually twins, but I didn't clock that when I was younger. But that for some reason really uh, got me going. So, and I mean, like my friend's joke and call me 60, 40, I, that is like a gross exaggeration, but I, I don't think that I was actually really attracted to the female counterparts. I was probably just really in love with their hair. because they
1: had a thing for hair. Well, I, I mean, I remember, I didn't know the name, but looking at Cheetara now, I 100% remember who she was Yeah, and yeah, everyone was like ripped to shit on this show. Yeah, Everyone was wearing spandex. There are a lot of great, I mean, you have a, a bit of a haircut trend going through your stories, but some really strong and uh, adventurous haircuts.
2: Yeah. And I mean, like, I think later on, I tried to uh, probably emulate those in some of my haircuts. and <laughs> A feathery look. A feathery look. And uh, I like, you know, Last of the Mohicans, I was in love with that movie because of all of the hair in that movie. And I remember I had friends of mine who I would be like, just come here for a second. I just want to get those like weird tendrils that kind of fall down when you pull your hair back like those made me crazy but yeah, definitely He-Man and she- and She-Ra, and specifically He-Man for obvious reasons, and we're well, not obvious reasons, but um, obvious to me. Uh, and and then Lion-O from uh, Thundercats, 100. percent
1: Yeah, and was there because there was a crossover? It wasn't an alter ego thing, right? Or did they just shop at the same store? I What's think. Happening? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like
2: I think that was they were all kind of contemporaries, and they were just like, oh, we're running out of plot lines, so let's just make them meet at a forest and fight some bad guys.
1: That's right. It's just like we already have. Half 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 of these um, cells animated with someone in like a leather harness and a speedo and desert boots. Yeah. So uh, (laughs) let's just do it over. Yeah, that was for sure like sketched between daiquiris on Fire Island. Yeah. (laughs) That original concept. (laughs) A hundred percent. And I
2: mean like, you know, shoving these like major, you know, kind of like cishet vibe kind of guys in spandex and... And there's something about like that kind of like marriage of their costumes with these like super muscly dudes, but then like their long kind of flowy hair that felt a little bit counterculture to me. I don't know why,
1: Uh you know,
2: just because, you know, it wasn't like cowboys, you know, riding horses or it wasn't like hockey players or whatever, but there was something kind of like, I don't know, it just felt a little bit more kind of like other, and I I really resonated with that.
1: It feels a little bit Gary Wright to me. Yeah. 100%. Didn't Lionel also have like a, a flowy scarf? I think potentially yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In my mind he does, because
2: that's just like a marriage of the two. Oh my god, so glorious.
1: Yeah, there was like that kind of like a bit of a glam rock thing that, that transitioned to that. And it's interesting, like the animal overlay on those characters yeah. didn't make it less hot. Not at all. No, weird. If anything, yeah, like it made that. it more. Am I allowed to say that? 100%. No, I think like there's like a weird sort of like like Like, I mean,
2: for me, it was never about sort of like the animal so much as like the like the raw energy of the wild, you know?
0: Yeah,
1: that's
2: true. Like the unpredictability and
0: the... Also, his name is He-Man. Like there was something (laughs) like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's, it's so basic. It's a
1: bit over the top. We get it. Yeah. We get it. Your mask for mask. Yeah, Yeah,
0: totally. The original mask for mask. Yeah.
1: Yeah, In your your furry speedo. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I know. Right. You're right. The pronoun is baked into the name. Yeah. Yeah it's so binary but
2: it's so funny how like outwardly it just didn't right? it didn't sort of hit me that way yeah and then you like watch these things and you're like "Ooh, what's that i feel downstairs you know like and i that was sort of definitely a major questioning point for me yeah
1: when you're like i'm not quite he-man and not quite she-ra so where's my character yeah i guess i'll go to the thundercats right and how can I get me one of those singlets? <laughs> right. I bet. Well, speaking of Etsy, I don't know if this was recorded, but earlier Mike was telling me he ordered some um, fashion lockers off of Etsy. They're turquoise and they're they're very fetching. But I bet you on Etsy, you could get a Lionel cosplay. Oh yeah, for
2: sure, for sure. And it, like I remember, I was on tour with a buddy of mine who um, was already in incredible shape, and he spent you know several months getting into shape to um, fill out his He-Man costume. And And had like the full, you know, get up and, you know, it's, yeah, cosplay in those I'm sure is uh, very easy to find, but. I'm into
1: it. Kaden. any objections?
0: No, not at all. I've heard the Thundercats, He-Man, little Mike one, wanting to know more about them. I've heard this story before, for sure. I, this is this is the one I was like, I bet he's going to bring up Thundercats and He-Man. You thought? You he did, hey. Yeah, I totally... I was like, if he doesn't bring up Thundercats and He-Man, I don't know who my husband is.
1: <laughs> We've got some buried truths. I also remember a friend, maybe it was like a cousin, having those action figures. Yes! The action figures were a big part of what made me queer because it's when you could get, you know, dudes, muscular dudes in spandex alone Mm -hmm. and just be like, oh, I'm in charge now. (laughs) What's going to happen next?
2: Can't be sure. Can't be sure. But but... let's see if your leg goes that way. I don't know.
1: (laughs) That's right. Just trying to bend them and like the joints popping out. God damn it.
2: I'm sure that the fabricators made them not. They I'm, I'm like, I, I guarantee you that those joints are deliberately restricted.
1: <laughs> yeah. Anything beyond 45 degrees from your hip is gay. Straight men don't need to bend like that. No, they don't need to kick above a 45. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> My choreo was limited for those action figures. 100%. Now, uh, true to judicial fashion, we are going to adjourn from Act 2, the jury... D- Deliberates about something, or maybe they order hoagies, hoagies, and then we're back in the room for Act Three. What might be the final act? If I mean, I don't know if you have three things. You can abstain from Act Three.
0: Oh, I know I've got an Act Three, okay. which I think like okay. is a good, it was just a good kind of final act. Because I mean, truthfully, to be honest, I've been thinking about this since you were like, Come am mm-hmm. to do this," mm-hmm. and I could talk about the things that made me queer for like forever. Like there, I was thinking yeah, about right. it, and it's all these, and some of some other folks. You know, i we're both big fans of the podcast, so other people have brought up like King Triton. So there's a bunch of things. So I was going to, I was debating what my last one was going to be or what my third one was going to be. And I was like, is it the Sears catalog with the men's underwear selection? Which there was a period of time where, I, you know, I was like, wow, I'm really looking at this catalog a lot. Yeah. And that feels like that's probably a thing.
1: The Canadian Tire Backyard Dads have gotten some real love in this podcast. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I second that motion. And then
0: also like, was it Dean Kane? Was it Lois and Clark? You know, because it was like, oh. I was like, do with, I want
1: Terry Hatcher, was she Lois?
0: Yeah, Terry like, and the thing about it was is I was like, oh, I want to marry Terry Hatcher, is what I was the narrative, the story I was telling myself. But really, it was Dean Kane in that outfit. And like what a job. Oh yeah, what a jaw. And what like, yeah, he went, what the hair. But what I've landed on, so all those things were like the the building up to the thing that actually made me queer, and in the biblical sense, it made me queer, which he's with okay. us here today, is Michael Amenda. What? You made me queer. What? The the courtroom everyone's <laughs> murmuring. <laughs>
1: eyes darting around. The stenographer is frantically typing.
0: Elle Woods is throwing her purse or whatever. That's
1: right. Chihuahuas everywhere. <laughs> Chihuahua's everywhere. Okay, so in case you've already forgotten his name, Mike Lamenda is in <laughs> this conversation. Mike Lamenda is married to Caden. So tell us everything.
0: Well, we met when I was 18 and I wasn't gay yet. And Mike, we, we were doing a, a show on the East Coast and Mike would do this show in the afternoon and he would wear these very tight jeans and these high boots. <laughs> And, you know, for those of you who don't know my husband, Mike, he is really like an incredible performer. He's so handsome and he's such a great singer and he's got such great stage presence and I He's w- blushing
1: <laughs> so much right now.
0: I would <laughs> watch so much. Yeah. <laughs> I would watch that show with him in those tight pants out in the middle of the day and I blame well, Was this,
1: and, and this is a bit of an inside thing, but was this Somewhere in the World? It was. Somewhere in the World, for people who don't know, and I'm going to guess 99% of you don't, <laughs> uh, was like an out or musical about a bunch of people who essentially discover Canada. Yep. Is that right?
2: Yeah, there was like a central traveler and then he meets all these people and and I think the conceit is that he meets all these people and along the way realizes that they're all part of Canada in their diverse ways.
1: Perfect. Colonial revisionist history at, at its best. Right, absolutely. And was Mike the sailor?
0: Mike was, no, Mike was the traveler. So he was the one who the was trailer. like the lead and then Wayne Gwilliam, this is very niche, Wayne Gwilliam was the sailor. Didn't your brother Mike do Williams that show? A
1: fantastic Canadian actor. Yes, my brother was the sailor. Yeah. So Mike was the traveler in his uh, Lee long and lean jeans yep. and Kaden could not get enough.
0: No, and so and honestly so like that was the summer where I had my first kind of like, you know, queer experience. And um, oh my God. we didn't. I didn't think it was gonna be like a thing. But now, 20 years later, we're still married, and here we are.
1: I guess it took.
0: It, t- it really did. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. I blame my husband for making me <laughs> quit.
1: That is wild, because that was like that was your awakening. Yeah. And that's the wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike, I feel like you're directly implicated in this, so you kind of have to get pulled in. I I'm.
2: Think. I'm. I feel like I. I simultaneously want to run away, and I don't know. I can't leave. It's like a car wreck. <laughs> no, I, I'm surprised that you said that actually i really am i mean i knew that when we met because our friend jamie tried to set us up and he's like who do you think's cute out here and i was like oh i'm not really here to date I'm like exploring myself this summer. Said no one ever on. going. <laughs> right, fresh out of college. But I, he was like, I was like, this person's cute and, and this guy's cute. And then Caden's really cute, but he's, you know, super young and he's not gay yet. And then Jamie proceeded to kind of like set us up over the course of times. And like, we exited at the same time from rehearsals and like, There's a whole other... There's people who are you know know us know the full meal deal of our story. It's kind of ridiculous. But we spent like five really intense days getting to know each other. And then I had to leave because I was done my contract. And and Caden was sticking around for a little bit longer. And we were like, I don't know what this is.
1: And were you going back to a city you both lived in? No.
2: I was in Toronto and Caden was flying back to Calgary. So, you know, it was like at the end of it, I remember we were... It was like lunch. We were cooking lunch for each other and dinner or something and and I was just like I don't know what this is gonna be but like I really dig you and I hope that we can keep in touch and and then when Caden flew through Toronto on the way back to Calgary I like decided to come to the airport and be like you've got a, you've got a layover so I'm gonna meet you and this was actually oddly September 10th before the faded September 11th of all days
1: holy this is 2001 yeah
2: this is 2001 so September 10th Uh, I showed up at the airport and all these folks were coming in from uh, Charlottetown, coming back on the flight. And they were like, hey, Mike, what are you doing here? And I was like, I'm just here to welcome you all back home. Because we were... friends. Yeah. It's so weird because it was 2001. We were in Canada. I think even at that time, like marriage was on the table, like it was, if not legal, but we... I I can speak to myself, and I think Caden would probably echo this, but we were in odd ways kind of arrested development gaze in the sense that I think something about our existence in Alberta made us kind of behind the times and really kind of for a long time. We were like lovers in a dangerous time where we thought if we were, you know, found out or if we sat too close on the subway, we were going to get tased. Like,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: It was intense. Like, I feel like we had some intense wrapped up. Uh, internalized homophobia about that, and it took us a while to work through it. And you know, I think it's still an evolution.
0: Well, and I would, I would say we were talking about this before before we did the podcast. Like, I think it, it even to this day. Like, I think we're both kind of having a queer renaissance right now in our. In, in my like in my 30s where all of a sudden I feel like I'm embracing queerness in a way that I never did before because also like after giving up acting and well, not giving up but like moving on from acting or whatever and now kind of doing what I'm doing now mm-hmm. I, I felt like I was always kind of you know trying to like book those straight roles and uh, no I didn't you know and so there was this whole kind of like part of myself that I really I don't know put quotations around so you know what I mean like I didn't really and now I'm a little bit like definitely more I don't know. We're kind of having a queer resurgence in that we're exploring different parts, different elements of ourselves, and, yeah. and that.
2: Yeah, it's it's weird when you're sort of like, and you know, like, hey, listen, we both move through the world basically as you know, straight white guys, you know, and the, I think we are kind of like passing, and that's I don't wear that as a badge of honor per se, but I think when you're a performers coming up to a certain extent, passing if you're queer is like can be important in a weird way
1: we were certainly told it was yeah. i can relate to that in music theater that was like a bit of a golden ticket yeah if you could pass
2: and i guess when you're you know when your livelihood and your paychecks and your and like the food on your table is wrapped up in in suppressing your queerness so that you can pass and book straight gigs it, it can be a bit intense and like that is I, like i'll i'll be unpacking that for a while yeah you know and i spent most of my my performing career in like a super sausage fest musical and you know, like there's a whole other set of shit that I, I, you know, I'm still unpacking and even choices that I made that were kind of semi regretful, you know, mm-hmm. in speaking to press and like doing certain interviews and like not being out because I was fearful. I was like, you know, and again, like I do feel like because of where we came from and maybe we should have, we need to do more work to kind of investigate that internalized homophobia because it really impacted us along the way, you know, and I'm not trying to play a tiny violin here, but. But
0: you are holding white.
2: But yeah. I am yeah. holding white. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah. Um, I won't play it. Can you it. put that down? Yeah. I'll, okay. I put it down. Uh, yeah. Okay.
0: You're also rewarded for it though, right? Like you're rewarded for it. Cause I remember being like, people would find out that I'm gay and they'd be like, oh man, I never would have guessed. And I remember thinking, Oh, wow. I'm so happy about that, which is so incredibly fucked up. Like it's such a weird, it's such a weird mashing of like, what does that even mean? I don't, but then, and now I look back at that and I think, oh my God, that's, that is so much of my upbringing and so much of the, of the business that I started out in and all like it's, yeah, I don't know. It's
1: trouble all over. Like it's trouble for the people who said that as a compliment It's trouble for us who took it as a compliment. And I can relate to that 100%. And I'm not from Alberta, but coming from, you know, a suburb of Toronto, quote unquote, one of the most liberal cities in Canada, I have been out for 20 years now in various ways. And I can tell you, maybe in the past three years, do I really feel like I really feel at home in myself? Maybe three
0: years. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah,
2: it's weird. It's like, and then, you know, when we moved down to LA, it was like this whole other thing where all of a sudden, you know, we were, I think, 14 years in to our relationship. And I think anyone who knew us in Canada knew that we were Mike and Kate and Kate and Mike, you know, and yeah. it wasn't a thing. And then there was this whole other thing where we moved down to LA in a whole new kind of world where we had to figure out how to, I remember talking to people who were kind of guiding me through that process, you know, after I booked the film and, yeah. and I was like, so like, I'm doing these press junkets and whatnot. Like, can we talk about gay, you know, like, can we talk about like, like, what's your take? And. And these folks that I was chatting with were queer folks. And yeah. and I was looking to them for help. And I just remember like we were in an office and, you know, they got up and went to the door and like closed the door.
1: No, like, like turn the blinds. Yeah.
2: And then came and oh. sat down and then skirted. And this was 2013, you know, and That's so. So weird. Totally weird. And, but it's so like, even then it's, it's still an issue. And like, I'm so, there's people out there who reach a certain point, like, you know, the Matt Bomers and you know, like who I think achieve a certain level of success where they feel like they can come out and it's sort of they're untouchable at that point, you know. But I think that's still that stigma is still there for Hollywood actors to you know and like actors in general to really reach a certain point financially, whatever you want, uh, success-wise before you can actually feel comfortable. Because if you're an up-and-coming queer person who still passes. It's like it could be problematic, you know?
1: And the weird thing too is I think, you know, the Matt Bomers, for example, and no no hate on Matt Bomer, no. but these are people who are A, largely white, and B present as so typically like quote unquote, you know, masculine and and muscular and things where it's like all the awful stereotypes people think about queer people, or at least cis men in this case. Mm-hmm. They think, Oh, well, you know, he's so strong and so handsome, like so I'm gonna allow this horrible feminine whatever like he's still sellable he's still marketable because he has you know pecs or abs or something
2: yeah it's i guess i call it like palatable gaze you know yes Um, yes which i get and again it's like no slight to these people because there's also this other side of it that's like you know, I'm so grateful that those people are working and, like, they're, uh-huh. you know, paving away in a lot of ways. But, you know, I'm really excited by performers like, I don't know, Jay Magis. I listened to that, you know, episode with Jay.
1: Friend of the podcast,
2: Jay Magis. Yeah, Broadway superstar. And, like, just killing it. And also, like, killing it and kind of making every role his uh, and I think, you know, working hard to really celebrate his queerness um, uh, through that, you know, I actually don't know Jay's pronouns, but I I just said he, so forgive me if uh, Jay doesn't go by any other pronouns.
1: Yeah, but. no, I'm not sure off the top of my head, but that's interesting too, because if we think about it through the lens of theater, which we, I uh, think we think a lot of things that way, thinking about paving the way for a type of actor or a type of role, but then that also loosening that in the way we are, I think hopefully with the way things are moving just paving ways for different kinds of people yeah right? breaking this mold of what people are and and what they look like not to cast them but to like you know cast them in the the film of life yeah yeah 100 <laughs> yeah, percent. what an image yeah <laughs> but i know exactly what you mean so when you two moved to la did you have an orientation reveal party and were there fireworks <laughs> Yes, I and mean, we burned down that, half the city. <laughs> and regret nothing. And regret nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's weird, though. It's you know, it's just one of those
2: things where you've been living your life a certain way for so many years, and all of a sudden you're introduced into a different place, and then you're like, oh, like I didn't come out when I was like really 21 in a big way, but now I feel like all of a sudden I have to do this again, and it's it's a weird thing to kind of wrap your brain around.
0: And I really do think like stepping away from acting is a big part of it. Like moving in a way, like moving into a different space where my my creative energy isn't myself you know what i mean or mm-hmm, it is, mm-hmm. it's it's myself but in a, it's my, myself in a deeper way you know what i mean it's yeah. that stuff it's my insides not necessarily my outsides as much i guess or whatever it's getting a bit a bit sciencey for me but keep going <laughs> but that really that really opened up a lot of stuff to me that, that i didn't have to worry about present like presenting in a particular way because it doesn't matter now you know yeah i found it very well, frank i found the, i found the last like I, th- I think you said Trevor like the last three years personally i, w- I would say over the last three years i felt a real shift and a freedom that I haven't necessarily experienced before.
1: And that's funny because I think a lot of people would find that surprising especially maybe people who are heterosexual or sort of having deviated from a norm to think like people you know like Hayden and Mike they're so free and they're so whatever but yeah I think that's a very common experience.
0: We also had the we had the chance to a couple of years ago the LGBT center here in LA was celebrating their 50th wedding their, not wedding anniversary I'm sorry their 50th. they got married <laughs> No their 50th anniversary <laughs> to all the
1: other centers. <laughs> Harry Krishna Scientology. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they and they had this big gala, and we got we had the privilege of they asked us to produce these kind of like short films for the gala. And so we interviewed a bunch of people in the queer community who were involved in the center in different ways and hearing the kind of generational stories. Like we talked to like a guy who was the first person to marry people in marry gay people in the um United States back in the seventies, wow. like he was a he was a priest, and then he kind of bucked the law and did that. And then we talked to some younger folks who were really, you know, playing with gender and and expressing themselves in these incredible ways. And that really that experience too, I think for both of us was really profound, yeah, and allowed us to see things in a different way, or I don't know, not maybe not see things in a different way, but just be more open and excited about the parts of myself that I had. I had put it on the shelf a little bit, you know, and put like put away. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it was definitely super emotional in a lot of ways. I, I got so emotional because I realized in retrospect and doing some research, I, you know, that kind of an emotional reaction to that is really largely to do to, with my kind of like privilege going through life mm-hmm. and just recognizing the fact that like I just had such a privileged life, uh, you know, traveling through the world, generally speaking, as kind of, you know, I don't know, just a, a white cisgendered male basically. Mm-hmm. And you know, meeting all these people who had these incredible diverse stories and and just recognizing not that I didn't know it previously, but just that there's just so much more to being queer. And just even using the word queer. It's so yeah, much more yeah. accepting and, and and interesting. And I was mainly pissed at myself just that I have, you know, not been more uh present to all of that awesomeness prior uh, prior to that experience,
0: you know. Well and also I think what's interesting about that is it's like I wasn't present to it because of my own, like I had put myself in a box away, purposefully in a box away from it. And then I think, oh, fuck man. That's like, if I had one regret, you know, I would love to go back to my younger self and be like, just, just, lean into it like because there's so much to experience in the queer community and i feel like i didn't allow myself to do that because i because of fear out of fear
1: it's totally understandable but i mean we're all still incredibly young so we have plenty of time to do that now and that's one of the reasons i like that word queer so much and why i put it in the largest type size possible next to my big dumb head on the the (laughs) marketing for the show because i don't feel like it's prescriptive in any way that triggers me. So I don't feel like it dictates who I'm going to be or what I'm going to be attracted to or anything like that. And I think we're moving there with our concept of gender as we start to unpack that and separate it from biological sex. And, you know, kids are going to grow up now just being like, this is the person I am. And I'm going to find out who that is along the way without all of the, the baggage that we had. It's pretty exciting, I think. And that's why in the face of a global pandemic from a basement, I remain optimistic. <laughs> and on that note, we have the the jury begins playing their tambourines, and uh, that is, of course, the universal signal for our court case being out of time. So before I say goodbye, and I really don't want to, because I feel like we're just getting started, Yeah, but would you like to play a little game? Absolutely.
0: I've been looking forward to this so much.
1: Oh my God, thank God. So this game is called Queer, Queerer, Queerist. Queer! Queer. Because I have a slight speech impediment and it's very difficult to say. (laughs) So what's going to happen in this game is I'm going to give you three things. You are going to put them in order from least queer to most queer and tell me why. But because we have two of you, what I think is we're going to go through the three things, put them in order in your head. And then we will sort of review them and see if you are the same, different, or what. Like Snatch Game. It's like Snatch Game. And, uh, well, I, as I blinked, Caden is already in full drag. <laughs> we are ready to go. And his best Cheetah Rivera.
0: I'm dressed as the queen, Trevor. I'm dressed as Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, sorry, crazy. sorry you didn't get it. A short,
1: short woman in a pico. <laughs> so, here we go. Here's the first thing. Technicolor clothing. For example... Joseph's coat or the coat that Dolly Parton sings about. Anyway, multicolored clothing. Mm-hmm. Number 2, restaurant finger washing bowls. <laughs> you know those little bowls with the little slice of lemon? Mm-hmm. It's kind of a little bird bath in the top.
0: Yep. Yeah, definitely. 100%.
1: Number 3, and this is a deep cut. So if you can't picture this, I do have a backup. Okay. <laughs> the face that Renee Zellweger makes in the film Chicago. At the start of Cell
0: Block Tango. She scrunches it up a little bit. She's like, she does that little scrunchie, right? Yeah,
1: she's a bit squinty. But then like as she starts to see this world unfold, she walks up to the bars, just kind of like dazzled by um, Catherine Zeta-Jones et al. Oh my God. These are all so gay and queer. They're very gay and queer. Will you accept that third thing? Is it enough meat for you to chew on? Yeah,
0: for sure. I would. I think so
1: yeah okay perfect so think in your minds in your, the privacy of your own brains least queer to most queer and then when you're ready please raise one hand as a signal kaden was first let the record show yeah i think i'm good we're good we're ready okay here's how we're gonna do it least queer is first i'm gonna count you in three two one and then you're going to say least queer are you ready Yep. three two one finger joseph jacket. jacket oh Ooh, really? Okay, Kaden first. Finger bowls, why?
0: Well, because I feel like every time that I've been to one of those places, I, in my head, pretend I'm blessing myself like I did when you come <laughs> into the Catholic Church. They always remind me of holy water. Yeah. And yeah. so. There's something about me that still, when I see them, I'm like, ugh, I don't know. Because
1: your church always had that little bit of citrus in the holy water bowl, right?
0: <laughs> and they served you sushi afterwards, too. So that was always <laughs> nice. <amazing. laughs>
1: Those rotisserie chickens? Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, yeah. So it's so it's related to church for you, yeah. which immediately shuts you down queer-wise.
0: Yeah, I, that would, that's
1: my reasoning. Okay, I'll take it. And Mike, you said uh, the technicolored clothing. Yeah, I
2: just feel like... There's two reasons why I feel like the cut of Joseph's jacket is just a little like there's something about it that just doesn't feel very queer to me. It's like a little too, you know, I know that it's like long and it's sort of like a dress, but it feels like a hetero version of a dress jacket if that makes sense. (laughs) Like, I think if it was truly queer, there would be like maybe a belt. There would be like, you know, just a little bit of like a peak lapel, but it just feels a little too, it feels like a straight version. It's
1: like Isaac Mizrari, Target ready to wear.
2: Right. It's, yeah, it's a little too ready to wear. And I feel like... If it was truly you know, it would be a little bit more quittier. Okay. And also like I just feel like I'm thinking of those like technicolor shorts. Like there's a big like I'm seeing it all over Instagram now where like oh. and it's always it makes me feel like I don't know, drunken folks in at Mardi Gras or like bras in like a singlet and like you know tech color shorts
1: yeah i do i know what you mean it's kind of like a bit of that like queer baiting corporate like smirnoff ice but although smirnoff is pretty gay Mm. but it's like rainbows on a thing it's a bit trying too hard yeah i think so yeah right okay so that's least queer Queer queerer Three, two, one. Renee, Renee Zellweger. So we're tied on Queerer as Renee Zellweger's pregnant expectation at the start of Cell Block Tango. Mike, why?
2: I don't know. There's just something about it. I mean, the obvious choice would be it's a musical and therefore, you know. But there's something about that particular and her take on that, you know. I don't know. It doesn't totally... Was that a read? I uh, No, no. I actually really love Chicago. I think it's one of the best, like you know, musical movies out there. And I remember like standing up and applauding. There's just something. <laughs> I'm going to come back to that. that. Does, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> we, did. we did. We totally stood up and applauded in the theater. Big th- th-
1: flappy hands. Good Absolutely. for you. Absolutely.
2: But yeah, there's just, I don't know. It just doesn't ring totally, totally queer to me. A
1: women's prison. I would argue, but uh, on <laughs> <detail>. <laughs>
0: yeah, I second Mike's motion. Because there's something about it that feels like it's the illusion of queerness. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like we're, we're being fed something that on the surface... Feels like it should be queer like it's a women's prison and she's dressed like in a very kind of sparkly outfit and it But then when you kind of peel back to the meat of that face in that moment and just that moment specifically I'm not sure underneath the sparkly skin. It's really got a queer beating heart underneath there
1: Like end of the day. It's still directed by Ron Howard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. 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 That's
1: fair. That's fair I'll accept that.
0: The illusion of queerness.
1: It's like the rainbow shorts Mike was talking about. Just the window dressing, which leads to I could deduce this, but I'm I'm not going to even let my mind go there. Three, two, one. Fingerboard. Kevin colored clothing. Oh. Boy, we got some trouble here. Caden.
0: Well, when you specifically said, there's two things I think about. When you said Joseph's coat, I mean, it's literally a rainbow coat that is spun around by 12 dudes generally wearing not very much clothing. They're always wearing like vests and stuff. You know, like the his brothers always like pull the coat out and then they spin the coat around. And it, so it's like yeah. a dude wearing this embroidered thing with a, a rainbow flags and then a bunch of dudes. Half dressed, kind of like encircling him. So that yeah, feels it's
1: pulled out. It's like that, um, the dinosaur from Jurassic Park. Yes. You know when <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. The, it's poison. the poison. Yeah, exactly. That was really good. Are they his brothers? I forget my Bible
0: stories. Yeah, no, they're all his brothers. That's pretty hot. But then there's something else too. But you know, back in the day when you had the clothing that changed colors from body heat, like you would put your yes. hand on
1: hyper color.
0: Yeah, hyper color. I also pepper, was thinking pepper. of. I was thinking of that <laughs> when you said that, and there's feels like that's really queer to me for some reason because it's like. Like it changes and you like touch it It you have to touch it to make it. Yeah, any clothing
1: that's activated by body heat. Yeah
0: Whoosh. Yeah, yeah So that's why I put at the top because those two things those two images together feel like absolutely the queerest.
1: Wow That's pretty convincing over to you Mike. Oh, I mean like that is very convincing It's almost
2: changed my but I'm sticking (laughs) with finger bowls because I just feel like I probably, I secretly had like finger bowls in my, you know, like I would play with meals and stuff like that. And if I were to go back now, I bet I probably had finger bowls as part of my meals as a child. Like when I was making Like at home? Yeah. I I feel like (laughs) that is just, for me, that kind of attention to detail, that kind of like the sort of like the the need for cleanliness, the dipping of the fingers. But I, I definitely... I had lunches up in my um, in my treehouse that were very elaborate, and um, I'm sure that uh, that finger bowls
0: were part of that. I'm shocked and surprised by that because I feel like growing up, I didn't. I think the first time I saw a finger bowl, I was a full blown adult and had no clue what it was. Really,
1: the first time I saw a finger bowl, and I feel dirty every time I say that. The first time I saw a finger bowl was at Swiss Chalet, Ooh, yeah. which, if people aren't familiar, because that's Cancon, that's like a suburban rotisserie chicken restaurant.
0: Yeah, and we we never went to Swiss Chalet when I was growing up. And
1: it. good for you, and your that's <laughs> your body will live on. <laughs>
0: No, but I can't, like, I, I didn't, The fir- I remember the first time somebody brought me finger bowl and being like, I have no, like, what is this? What do I do, what do with it? Do I just have a little sip <laughs> of the a hot toddy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, they are very quaint. And I know some places it's sort of more of a cultural norm to use a finger bowl, but in, like, in most parts of Canada, it's terribly dainty. Yeah. yeah also what's the would what you what do you think the most appropriate motion? like what were we supposed to do like dip or was it like a little like well,
0: <laughs> this is like, what i think of, the interesting thing about being queer is is that that is a debate i had in my own head about being like <gasps> what's fingerball etiquette how can i masculinely do this like how can i not be like <clears throat>
1: even the way you have to bend your wrist to do it you're fucked
0: you're, you're <laughs> fucked what a waste there's of time no, thinking no, about it though.
1: There's no like quarterback way to dip your fingers in a bowl. I'm just gonna get you. <laughs> I'm just gonna get get you smash your it. <laughs> (laughs) Oh my god, amazing. Okay, so let me look at this is tricky because I have to tabulate two sets of scores. I move the abacus here. I move this beat over here. That's the sound my abacus makes. And (laughs) congratulations, you're both so
0: queer you're married to each other.
2: Amazing. That's a great great consolation prize. This marriage
0: holds. I'm surprised we didn't put them in the same order. That is it shows us that we're still individuals despite us being together for 20 years. I would have thought we would have done them in the same way.
1: I mean it shows you're individuals or you you need to have a serious conversation after this to go to the about finger bowls. <laughs> Not on my dime. That <laughs> we're done here. So before I let you go, and I really don't want to, because I'm I'm really getting hot California energy through this Zoom call. But is there anything either of you gentlemen would like to plug?
0: Yeah, I in the next couple of months I'm going to have a short film I wrote and directed. It's going to be doing its online premiere. It did the festival circuit, so you can. It'll be probably sometime this summer. You can check my Instagram out at Caden Douglas eighty yes. two for that. And then we also. Do you want to do the stuff about our company?
2: Sure. Yeah, we uh, we have a company called Little Bowl. Productions, uh, bull like
1: the animal with the pointy horns. What's the other bull? Uh, like a bull, like a finger bull. Oh, like little bull, little bull productions. I'm gonna patent that. Right. So back off. Okay, as you were.
2: <laughs> but little bull uh, is uh, little bull pro. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram, we do film production and graphic design. And we have a, a film that's premiering actually this weekend. It's in Jersey. It's at the Lighthouse Festival, and then at, also this month at the Blackbird Festival. So you can check our stuff out there. Um, they have an online. And stuff. Um, but then we also have our website, which is Little Bull Productions, if you want to check out our graphic design work and our film production and all
1: that kind of jazz. This is the perfect time for everyone to do it. You're still at home, you need things to watch, or if you are a creative type, you need things that will be produced. Uh, so go forth to these sites. Also, were you not affiliated with a short film starring Facts of Life's Mindy Cone? Yes,
2: that's the one that's premiering this weekend at Lighthouse uh, Festival. So yes. yeah, it's called Killcat Oakland. And um, yeah, it's super fun. Our, we met this incredible writer Writer, EP um, actor named Nora Heidenreich and uh, had a great time shooting that pre-pandemic, so we're excited Ooh. for the world to kind of actually see it.
1: Well, congratulations. I cannot wait to see it. Thanks. And I want to thank you both so much for joining me, not only because I had so much fun, but as a direct result of the evidence which was admissible in my court, you have both made me way queer than I was before. Uh, that is a great honor.
0: And Bye. vice versa. You, you make me queer once a week, every Thursday with this show, and yeah. I love it. We're big fans.
1: <laughs> thank you so much. Um, you know, if I can just keep in the absence of a rural Alberta Radio. If I can become the new frequency that is warping children's minds, uh, it's a torch I gladly accept. We should all be so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you both, and uh, and go forth into your palm tree wilderness. We will. Thanks, well, Trevor.
2: Thanks for having us, Trevor. Bye. Bye. Queer, queer,
1: queer. Queer, 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 queer. Okie dokie, Smoky. that's our show. So as always, you can reach us at youmademequeer at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. It makes me really happy to know people are enjoying this show because it's such a pleasure for me to do, and I like to hear from you. So that's it. We will see you next week. Q credits. You made me queer is created, produced, and edited by me, Trevor Campbell. Our theme song is by Critty. For more of her music, check out lavenderbruisers.bandcamp.com. Our website is youmademequeer.com. me queer.com. Our Instagram and Twitter handles are at you made me queer. New episodes of You Made Me Queer come out every Thursday. And from the bottom of my big bent heart, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, remember, we're here, we're queer, and it's your fault.